We've been in a series talking about who is Jesus and looking at a book in the Bible uh, by a man named John. And John was uh, just a really close friend of Jesus. He's the man that Jesus asked to take care of his mom after Jesus died. And he writes this story. He writes this account of Jesus's life because he says he wants us to know really what what life with Jesus is like. The same way he had life with Jesus, he wants us to be able to experience it. So we've been looking at that. This is our eighth week talking about this. And um, one of the, you know, one of the things that over and over again in the book, uh, John wants us to see about Jesus is that he, bring change, he brings change to our life, that our lives don't stay the same when we encounter him. And I think most people, I, I know I do, and I think uh, most people that, that I talk with and that I encounter, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, most people want to uh, transform in some way, want to experience growth in some way, want to experience a shift from here's who I am now and I, and I want to be able to move to this place. And a lot of times that's things that we don't like about ourselves. And I don't mean, you know, that you don't like your nose or your hair color or something like that, but things that, man, why, why am I so impatient or why do I get so angry about things or why do I get so annoyed by these kinds of people or just transformative things that we hope for and long for, whether that's, um, whether that's things that have been a part of your life for a long time or things you're just starting to notice that, that most of us have things in our life and we go, man, I, I would hope to, to transform in some way, to grow in some way, to experience freedom in some way from some of the things that, that keep kind of perplexing me, that keep inhibiting me from becoming the person that I would hope to become, whether that's anxiety or whether that's anger or whatever it might be. There's, there's things that we don't like about ourselves and hope to be free from. And the passage that we're looking at tonight is in many ways about what it means to have freedom, what it is that keeps us from freedom and, and what freedom, how, how do we get freedom and the, and the types of things that even if we know how to get freedom, keep us locked into the same patterns and the same characteristics that we've had for maybe a long time or maybe just started to, to notice. And so this is what we look at tonight in John chapter in John chapter 8. And so if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and open it up to John chapter 8. If you don't have one, you can have the one in front of you. And just a quick note that we are going to start in John uh, 8 um, verse 12, and we're skipping the first 11 verses. And uh, the reason for that is those aren't uh, original to uh, the Bible when it was written. Um, And your Bible should tell you that. So the Bible's not trying to hide anything from you. Sometimes people have an idea that the Bible's been changed thousands of thousands of times, and it's this big secret that um, you know is lost, and and uh, that there's all sorts of renditions and changes, and that's really not true. And there's a couple places that say things. Uh, if you if you if you don't have a Bible that tells you this, you should get one. But that say that the earliest manuscripts don't include uh, the these first verses, the John chapter. 8, 1 through 11. That wasn't in the original. Most scholars believe that that's a true story of something that actually happened. And many of you know the story of um, a woman that uh, was found in adultery and Jesus says, cast the first stone for the man that's without sin. And most people believe that's a true story, but that wasn't in the Bible when it was originally written. It might have been a story that was passed down over time and then somebody way later on decided, you know what, we should put this story in there. But the Bible wants us to know the the, the writers uh, that put together the collection of uh, books that we have want us to know, hey, this wasn't actually a part of the original, so we're skipping it, okay? So that's why. If uh, if you have more questions about that, you can let me know. I'm not going to 
uh, explain the whole thing on it. Um, there's a man, a, a pastor in Minneapolis named John Piper, who preached a whole sermon on why that wasn't part of the Bible. <laughs> and I just think that's kind of interesting. But um, I'm not going to preach a sermon on why this shouldn't be a part of the sermon. But um, we'll, we'll skip down to uh, verse 12. Okay, so here's what uh, happens. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. They're saying, you're just claiming this about yourself, so why should we believe you? And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So Jesus is saying, hey, what I say about myself is true, even if I just said it myself, but, but there actually are two people, me and God, which, you know, I mean, if somebody is trying to argue with you and you say, no, there's two people, me and God, I mean, that seems a little weird, but Jesus is, I mean, he's telling the truth, so it's only weird if it's not true. And they say to him, where is your father? Because Earlier, they even criticized Jesus, saying, you were born of sexual immoralities, because they're going, hey, no one knows who your father really is. There's been a rumor out there that maybe your mom was sleeping around. And so they kind of criticize him here, saying, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him, because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself, since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? And he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. And they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide, that means live, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham. And have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
So a lot of text there, I know, but here's what we'll start with. What takes our freedom? And Jesus says in that last part, he's talking about, and really this whole passage is about freedom. And Jesus is talking here. And in the end, he says that what takes our freedom is sin. He says anyone that sins is a slave to sin. And, you know, they, they don't get it and they, they, they don't understand what he's saying. But he says anyone that sins is a slave to sin. And so what takes our freedom? Jesus says that what takes our freedom is sin. What takes our freedom is sin. And when we talk about, man, how do I change or how do I transform or how do I get free How do I get free? If I want to become this person and right now I'm this person, how do I get free? If I want to grow in some certain ways, how do I get free from these things that I can be stuck in? How do I get free? But in the first place, what is it that has caused us not to be free? And to begin with, what has caused us to be stuck in certain ways that we go, man, why am I like that all the time? Why can't I get free of that? What is it that takes away our freedom to begin with that causes us to want to get out of something? And Jesus says it's sin. But, but what does that mean? How is it that sin enslaves us? How is it that sin takes away our freedom? How is it that sin traps us? Because Jesus says that anyone that sins is a slave to sin. But, but how, is, how does that happen? I mean, what does that mean? If I, if I sin and then all of a sudden I'm you know, in chains? I mean, what, what is he talking about? What does it mean that sin takes away our freedom? What does it mean that sin enslaves us? And and here's what it means. I mean, sin, there's many ways to think about sin, of what sin is. But one of the things that sin is, is a whole way of life that says, I want to be free. One of the things that sin is, is a way of life that says, I don't want any constraints on me. I don't want any restrictions on me. I don't want any authority above me. I want to be able to do what I want to do. That's one of the primary elements of what sin is. That it's a way of life that says, I want want to be free. I want to do whatever I want to do without being told. I don't want to have to be constrained and restricted and have some authority. But it's, I want to live doing what I want, when I want without any sort of person or God, even if we don't think about it in that way, telling me, here's what life is supposed to be. That sin is a way of living that says, life, I'm in charge of it. I'm in charge of it. How does sin enslave? Sin starts with a way of life that wants to be free. Sin starts with a way of life that wants to be free. But then here's what happens. The Bible teaches that we are made, and Jesus talks about that we are made to be people that worship God. We're made to be people that are not free in the sense of I just do whatever I want. There were people that are made in our hearts to live for God. We're made for that. Human beings are designed by God, their creator, to go, I worship God and enjoy God and love God and live my life for God with God as my king. That's how we're designed. But if we say, I want to be free, I don't want, I don't want some authority above me, I want to be free, then what happens is we move out from underneath that, we still want something in that place. 
Now, I'm not saying this is all happening at a conscious level where we say, okay, I'm done with God, and now I want something else to be here. I'm not saying that's how it works, but that's what's happening internally because we are made to be people that worship. We're made to be people that live for something. That's why it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian. We all live for something. We all live with some sort of sense of purpose and meaning. We all live with something in this place that we say is valuable to us and important to us and that we build our lives around. And so if we say, I want to be free. I don't want to be told what to do. I want to be free. I don't want to have constraints on me. I don't want to have restrictions on me. I don't want some authority above me. I want to be free, free to be who I am, free to think what I want to think, free to say what I want to say, free to use my time and my life. I don't want anything telling me what it should be. I want to discover who I think I should be and be that. I want to be free. Well, if God's not in that place, inevitably something else goes into that place. Inevitably, something else takes the place of here is therefore what I'm going to choose to live my life around. But how this takes away our freedom, and when Jesus says that sin enslaves, the dynamics of sin enslaving is that we say, I want to be free. I want to be free from God. And so something else then comes into that place. Whatever it is ends up trapping us. Whatever it is ends up trapping us. So think about if what you decide, and again, you don't sit down with a piece of paper and go, what do I want to be this? It just happens when we move out from under God. If, if, it's, if it's people liking us that we say, you know what, this is really what I want to make sure happens in my life. This is what I really want out of my life. I want people to like me. I really want people's respect. I really want people to, to enjoy me. I really want people to approve of me. I really want people. I, I, I want to be liked by people. And so we make a lot of decisions built around that. But here's how it traps us. Here's how it enslaves us. Here's how, here's how whoever sins becomes a slave to sin is then what happens is we have to have that. And some of you, like me, have experienced this. And so then what begins to happen is you go, man, okay, what I'm really living for is people liking me. I'm really living for people to like me. I want people to like me. And then, while that's freely chosen, what ends up happening is we're stuck. You're stuck in wondering, do they like me enough? You're stuck in wondering, what did they mean when they sent that message? You're stuck in wondering, why didn't they reply to that message? You're stuck in wondering, What's going on? Do people like me enough? Have I done enough to get people to like me? And you're stuck. Or maybe it's not, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's a relationship. Any kind of relationship. It could be kids. It could be a spouse. It could be having a relationship, having a significant other in your life. And you say, I don't want over here for, for my life to be lived with some sort of authority over me. I don't want that. What I want is to be free. What I want is to be free. Free to do what I want, when I want, how I want. But inevitably, something takes the place of God. And so we say, you know what I have to have in my life? I have to have a relationship. I've got to have it. I'll know my life matters if I have somebody else that loves me. I know my life matters. I know I'll feel good. I mean, what makes your week feel good? Man, if I have this other person 
telling me they love me, if I have this other person caring for me, if I have this other person talking to me, if I, and this can be, a, like I said, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever. It can be your kids. It can be a, some sort of relationship that you say, if I have this, then life is going to be good. I want to be free. And so I choose this to really build my life around. But then what happens? It's enslaving. Because then you're at the demands of that other person. You're at the demands of that other person, not just in that they tell you what to do, but in the sense of your up and down is determined by them. You're enslaved. Your up and down is determined by, am I getting the love that I want from that person? Am I getting the affirmation that I want from that person? Or life is good if I finally find someone. Or life is bad if I don't have someone. And it's trapping. Jesus says that anyone that sins is a slave to sin. How is it that sin creates a slavery? It's when we say, I want to be free. I don't want any sort of authority over me. But then when we move over here into that state of freedom, it actually traps us. You know, this is most obviously seen with people that become addicts. They choose something and then it ends up enslaving them and they don't like it. They don't want it. It enslaves them. Once freely chosen, then becomes an addiction. But it doesn't have to be substances for that, right? And we can have things that we say in a relationship and people liking us. Or maybe you say this. Maybe say, I don't, I don't, man, nothing's going to rule me. I don't want, I don't want some authority over me. I want to be free to be who I am. As long as I don't hurt anybody, as long as I just, as long as I can just be me, I want to be free, live my life how I want it to be. Hair blowing in the wind. For some of you, that'd be impossible. But you know, others of you, hair blowing in the wind, looking at a couple of you over here, um, just to make it clear, this side, you got a lot of hair, okay, but this side struggling, um, (laughs) Um, so guys, I'm just playing. It's fine. Um, I know all the bald men over here. It's okay. They know I love them. Okay. So mine's getting there. I'm just, I I do Donald Trump. It's coming around. Okay. Um, this is all only from the back. It's coming up. Um, (laughs) so what happens is this, maybe you say, you know what? I don't want anything else. I don't want anything. I don't want anything, nothing. I'm not going to build my life around anything. And it's not going to be other people liking me. It's not going to be, I'm still going to be free. But then, you know what it is? It's independence and autonomy. And that itself can be enslaving. Because you say, I don't want anything to rule my life. I'm not going to be controlled by anybody or anything. And then what happens is this desire for independence and autonomy can almost be enslaving because it leads to any sort of commitment being like, I don't know if I want to do that. And you miss out. I don't know if I want to do that. And you miss out. And that could happen with a relationship. The desire for such strong independence leads that you don't want a relationship where you'd have to commit. It could be even just close relationships with other people because there's demands on your time and your life. And I don't think I want that because I don't want anything controlling me. It could just be even choices. I mean, some people so strongly want independence that they can't even choose anything. So what happens is the way that sin takes away our freedom, Jesus Jesus says that sin enslaves, and the way that that happens is we freely choose something for freedom. We freely choose something because we want freedom away from God. 
to be who we want to be. And again, listen, because if you're like, I've never thought like that. I know it's not this conscious process where we stand up and go, I'm going to be free from God. It's an internal thing that's happening where we say, I want to be who I want to be. I want to be me. I mean, that's one of the big drumbeats in our world in America is be yourself. And I'm not saying you should be somebody else, but I'm saying part of what that means often is I don't want any authority over me. I don't want anyone to define my life. But that's the place that God is supposed to have. And if we move out from underneath that to something else, something will define us. We will live, we will live for something because we're made for that. But whatever we choose will end up controlling us. Whatever you choose to live for, whatever you choose to build your life around, it will control you. If it's other people's opinions, if it's a relationship, if it's independence and autonomy, if it's success, it will control you. So when Jesus says that whoever sins is a slave to sin, and he tells them you will die in your sin, this is how that happens. This is how sin takes away our freedom. We want to be free. We don't want to be under the control or authority of someone else. But then it leads to this. So how do we get freedom? If most of us would probably say, man, I want to experience some sort of transformation in my life. I want to move from these characteristics to this. Am I always going to be like this? Am I always going to struggle with bitterness or anger? Am I always going to go back into those same things? If I, if I want to experience freedom, how, how do I get that? How how can I actually have that? If sin is what enslaves me, how can I get free from that? How could I get free from living my life so concerned about what other people think of me? Or how could I get free from the craving and desire for a relationship that seems to actually rule my life? How could I get free from all of these different things? How do we get freedom? And when Jesus is talking about this, when Jesus is teaching on this... He's teaching during one of the Jewish festivals. He's teaching during one of the Jewish festivals, one of their big feasts, the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. There's different uh, words for it. He's teaching during this feast that celebrates God leading the people of Israel out of slavery. It celebrates God leading the people of Israel out of slavery, which is the subject that Jesus is talking about. And one of the things that they did during this feast, this is a rendition, the temple uh, no longer exists, but one of the things they did during this feast is they would light these huge, basically giant menorahs. You know what a menorah is, the candle thing? So they would basically have these, I mean, some people say 75 feet tall, giant menorahs, okay? And you'd be able to see it for miles and miles around. It would light up the whole city. I mean, think about, you know, there's no... There's no city lights and that kind of thing. So you just have these giant things lighting up. Because what they're celebrating is when God led the people of Israel out of slavery under Pharaoh, what happened is they're in the the wilderness, they're in the desert, and God leads them in a cloud by day, and then during the night, a, a, a pillar of fire, the Bible says. So they're they're in the middle of the desert, it's dark, and God shows up as this fire to lead them to where he's taking them to be, out of slavery. This is what they're remembering in part during this feast, and this was a part of the feast, is they would light these things up. 
Now, God is taking them out of slavery into his joy and into his presence with him as king. That's what was happening, into the promised land where God said he would take them to enjoy his presence, life with him as king. Now, here's what's crazy. Jesus shows up during this feast. And Jesus shows up and he says, I'm the light of the world. Now, think about that. All around, you've got these big things lit up. And, G- and, and they're, they're celebrating light. They're celebrating God being light, taking people out of slavery into God's presence and joy with him as king. They're celebrating that. And Jesus goes, yeah, you see all these lights? I'm the light of the world. See what you're celebrating? That's me. Now think about, I mean, try to pretend that you're a Jew a couple thousand years ago. Everybody stand up and act it. No, I'm not, not that, okay? But just try to envision yourself there. I mean, it would be like this. What if you're at a party? I'm just trying to think even. It's nothing close to what I'm about to describe, but I'm going to try anyway. Think you're at like a 4th of July party, and some guy shows up and says, I am, I am America, or I am the fireworks that we're, you're celebrating. Or you're at, you're at Martin Luther King Day celebration and parade, and someone gets up and says, I am Martin Luther King. Or I am racial reconciliation. Or, or someone stands up at a big Valentine's party and says, I am love. I mean, it's, it would be something like that, that the very thing that people are celebrating, the very thing, I mean, if, if you're at a big giant Super Bowl party and someone says, I am football, I mean, you would, you would go, this guy is a lunatic, right? Now, this is even worse because in claiming that he is the light of the world, he's claiming he's God. Because it was God that led them in the light. And the Jews would pray and celebrate, praying, the Lord is the light of my salvation. And so Jesus shows up during this big feast with these giant lights being lit. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. It's me. I'm the light of the world. And so when we talk about how do we get freedom, that's the context of light. Jesus isn't just saying, I'm a really bright person i'm really shiny he's saying as you're celebrating that god as light led these people out of slavery and just as everyone that sins is a slave to sin and just as the jewish people needed a light to lead them out of slavery into god's joy and into god's presence jesus says i'm the light of the world i'm the one that leads you out of slavery into god's joy and presence i'm the one that leads you out of darkness into life with god I'm the one that leads you out of the chains of sin that keep you stuck in habits and patterns and slavery. I'm the one that leads you out of that into life with God as king. So how do we get freedom? Jesus says that he is the light of the world. And what I love about this too is that Jesus sees our sin. And he sees the areas that we go, man, am I going to always be stuck in this? Am I always going to be like this? Can I change? Can I transform? He sees those areas. And he goes, I want to bring you to freedom. Which is very different from just seeing those areas and saying, I come here to correct you and stop you. See, many times we have a picture of God or a picture of Jesus that is that he comes to stop us from sinning. 
And there's truth to that in some way. But what Jesus is saying is, I come to give you freedom. I come to bring you into the joy and the presence of God. I come to take you out of slavery and to give you freedom. That's what he comes for. That's what he says he is when he says he is light. Now, how, how does this work? He says, he says, whoever follows me, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. He says, whoever follows him will not walk in darkness. Which means that real freedom is not when we have no authority. Real freedom is not when we're able to say, I can just be whoever I want to be. No constraints, no restrictions. I just live life the way I want to live it. That's not real freedom. Real freedom, according to Jesus, is if you follow me, which means it's not no authority, but it's the right authority, good authority. That we often think what freedom is, is I can just be who I want, do what I want, say what I want, feel what I want, think what I want. That would be freeing. And Jesus says, no, it's not, because it ends up in slavery. Real freedom is when you have the right authority that's loving and caring and leading you into God's joy. This is what Jesus says that he is. He says he's the light of the world. And sometimes... Even if you're a Christian, you could go, well, I still feel trapped. I still feel stuck in these things. I still feel stuck. So I want to transform and I want to become who I hope that I could become. And I want to grow in certain ways, but I I still feel stuck. And Jesus says he brings freedom. And Jesus says that he frees us from the slavery of sin, but I still feel stuck. I still feel stuck. But we can't miss what he says. Because he says... I'm the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not be in darkness anymore. And sometimes I think what happens is we say, okay, so I've got, I've got Jesus, but I'm still in darkness. But it's as if we have a flashlight and, and kind of set it down and go, well, I can't see. I, I don't know how to get out of here. But are we following him? Because he says, I'm the light of the world, and if you follow me, I'll take you out of darkness. I'm the light of the world, and if you follow me, you'll be out of slavery. I'm the light of the world, and you can't walk around in darkness going, well, it's not really working, it's not really helping if you're not following him. Because he says, I'm the light of the world, and if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness anymore. It's not just, okay, if you believe he's there, then all the darkness goes away. He says, Follow me out of the darkness. I'll take you with me out of the darkness. I'll take you with me out of the things that are perplexing you and hurting you that you don't want, that you want to change in. If we follow him, or as he says it elsewhere, he says, if you abide in my words, in verse 31, he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my, if you live in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that's what we want, right? We want to be free. We want to experience freedom. We don't want to be enslaved to what other people think of us, or enslaved to the ups and downs of different things that are happening. We don't want to be enslaved to that. And Jesus says, 
If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But here's what's important to, to see. What's his word? And you know what it's not? It's not the Bible. His word's not the Bible. Because when Jesus said that, the Bible didn't exist. When Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you'll be free. And you'll, you'll truly be my disciples. You'll know the truth. And the, the Bible wasn't written. So what's he talking about? He says, if you abide in my word, you'll be free. And what's his word? Well, it's what he's been, I mean, as we read John, it's everything he's been saying up to this point. It's everything he's been teaching up to this point. His word is the words that he's spoken up to this point. And he says, if you, if you, then you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So what's the truth that he's been talking about? What's the words he's been talking about? And all of it has been centered around who he is. His word that Jesus has spoken is, here's who I am. What he has been speaking, I mean, the last eight chapters that we've been reading and Jesus, the words that have been coming out of Jesus' mouth is not the Bible in some generic way. It's the things that, have, that he's been saying. And what he's been saying is, here's who I am. So here's what Jesus is saying. How do we get freedom? Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the one that brings you out of the slavery of sin into the joy of God's presence. I'm the one that takes you from freedom as an idea of I just do whatever I want and be whatever I want to freedom where you have a good authority. God is king that loves you and cares for you. And the way that you, the way that you walk with me as light of the world is you have to follow me. And the way that you follow me is you live in the words that I have spoken, which is all about him and his character. That Jesus is saying, as you see my character, as you see who I am, that takes you out of wanting to be free from me. As you see who I am. I mean, read again the first seven chapters of John and Jesus saying, I'm gracious. I'm loving towards sinners. I draw sinners towards me. I'm bread that satisfies you. I'm water that fills you up. I'm the one that brings the better wine to the party and brings joy. And Jesus says, I'm the light. And if you see me, if you see me, you're not going to want to be free from me. You're going to want to be with me. There's a great story that, I, I mean, most people don't think it's true, but it's uh, it's a great story nonetheless, one of those old kind of fables about Abraham Lincoln. And he uh, goes to a, a slave auction. And he goes to a slave auction and he buys a slave girl. He, he buys a slave girl and he tells her, okay, you're free now. Because he's Abe Lincoln, right? And he's not going to go, oh, sweet, I have a slave. He says, you're free now. And she doesn't know who he is. And, and she, says, she says, well, what does that mean, I'm free? He says, it means you're free. She goes, so I, I'm free to say whatever I want? Yeah, you're free to say whatever you want. And I'm, I'm free to do whatever I want to do? Yeah, you're free to do whatever you want to do. And I'm free to be whoever I want to be? Yeah, you're free to be whoever you want to be. And I'm free to go wherever I want to go? Yeah, you're free to go wherever you want to go. And she goes, then, then I want to be with you. 
Because if you're the person that would do that for me, then I want to be with you. Now again, you know, it's like George Washington cutting down the tree. I don't, you know, think it's a real story. But it's a story that illustrates well the point that Jesus is making, which is that the way we get freedom is Jesus says, let me show you who I am. Let me show you who I am, and you won't want, you won't want to be away from me. You'll want to be with me. Let me show you who I am, and you won't want. See, this is how Jesus brings freedom. It's not that he brings freedom by just telling us what to do, but he brings freedom by us wanting to do what he wants us to do. Because we see that he's good. And we see that he's for us, and we see that he's a deliverer that, that wants our best and wants us. No, no one... When God was leading Israel out of, out of slavery, and he said, I'm, I'm taking you to a good place, people didn't say, well, I don't want to go to a good place. And Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world, and if you know who I am, and if you see who I am, you won't want to be free in the sense of you're free from me. You'll want to be free with me. You want to be free with me. This is, this is how we get freedom. We live, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, we live in, do you know who Jesus is? Are you looking at him? Are you seeing him? Jesus says we get free by living in his word, which is living in his word of what he has said, living in seeing his character. Is that where you're living? Because if you go, man, I want to be free, is that where you're living? Are you living continually going, I want to see what Jesus is like? Because if I know if I really see him, I'll want to be with him. But Jesus is saying this to a group of people. He's saying this to a big group of people that don't get it. He's saying this to a bunch of people that though he's offering them freedom, they stay stuck. And so what keeps us from freedom? Sin is what enslaves us. Sin is what takes away our freedom. Jesus says he brings freedom by us seeing who he is and that beginning to change us so we want to be with him. But he said that all to these, these people and they didn't want it. They stayed stuck. Jesus says they will die in their sin. What, what keeps us from freedom? And this is the next part of the text. He says this. They, they tell him, you know, we're, we've never been enslaved. We're children of Abraham. We've never been slaves. And he says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. And this is about to heat up. This is one of the most intense parts in the Bible. And they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. Keeps telling them, you're doing what your father does. You're doing what your father does. And they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. Implying he is. We have one Father, even God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. 
I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. Intense. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So Jesus is calling them out saying, Satan is your father. Pretty intense, right? The Jews answered him. And I, I love this. It's so sarcastic. Are we not right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? It's just, are we not right in saying this? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So these guys are upset. They're calling him a demon. They're calling him a Samaritan, which is another, for them, an insult to him. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It's my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Abraham was thousands before this. And truly, truly, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So this is the moment that it really heats up. In the story that John's been telling us about Jesus, this is the moment that they actually try to kill him now. This is the moment that everything gets really intense. That it turns into like the Republican debate where they're just throwing insults around. And like, you're a Samaritan. You're a demon. You're the devil. You're You're born. You don't have a father. I mean, they're just like going at it after him. And Jesus calls their father Satan, and they get upset, and they say, you're not even 50. I mean, it just turns into a really heated thing, and they try to kill him. So Jesus is telling them this. You can be free. You can experience freedom. Sin keeps you enslaved, but you can be free. I'm the light of the world. I want to bring you into freedom. I want to bring you into God's presence. But what keeps us, what kept them from freedom? And here's what Jesus says to them. It's their religion. It's their morality. It's their goodness. You know, these were really good people. You meet these guys, they would be, they would be people that are very up. I mean, these are the religious leaders of the community. And Jesus, and, and that's what they're claiming too. And Jesus says, you don't really know God. They say, we know God. And Jesus says, you don't know God. They say, God is our father. And he says, God's not your father. Satan's your father. And they say, we know God. And he says, you don't know God. If you knew him, you'd love me. 
So these are people that are kept from experiencing the freedom that Jesus brings because of their own religion, because of their own sense of goodness and morality. And here's how this plays itself out in our lives. Jesus comes and says, I want to bring you freedom. I want to free you from slavery. I want to help you out. And we say, I'm good. You know, when Jesus looks at them and says, you're a slave to sin. If you're not a slave to sin, then you should reject that. But if you are a slave to sin and you reject that, then you're staying stuck. Jesus says, I want to free you from slavery. And they say, we're fine. We're not slaves. Jesus says, I want to help you know God. And they say, we already know him. Jesus says, I want to help you love God and experience him. And they say, we already have that. Jesus says, you have a problem. You're stuck. You're a slave to sin. And they say, no, we're fine. We're good. You see, what keeps them and what keeps us often from experiencing the freedom that Jesus wants for us is that we think we're okay. We think we're okay. For them, that was their heritage and their religious duties. For us, it's not necessarily the same things. But if, but if God comes to us and says, I want, I want to help you out of your sin, and we think, no, there's not a problem, I'm okay. Then we stay stuck in it. If God says, I want to help you out, or if a friend, if a friend says, this is why sometimes we're really defensive. Have you ever had an experience of being defensive? Somebody says, hey, I, I think Jesus is trying to lead you out of this. And we go, no, I'm fine. But what if there's a problem? Then we stay stuck. If a doctor comes to you and says, you're sick, I want to help you. And we go, no, I'm okay. Then, then we don't get well. And this is what happens with these guys. This is why I think it's interesting. Jesus, Jesus calls these religious people satanic. I mean, he uses some of the harshest language here of anywhere in the Bible. And it's not for people that are prostitutes and adulterers. It's for religious people. Why? Because morality and religion is so dangerous because it keeps you... I mean, the people that were the, the, the known sinners and known outcasts were the ones that flocked to Jesus because they knew they were in slavery. They knew they needed help. But the religious people say, we're fine. And Jesus goes, man, that's the work of the devil. Because if you think you're fine, you don't need him as savior. If you think you're okay, you're not going to ask him to save you. If you think you already see, then you're not going to look to him as the light. If you think you're already full, you're not going to look to him as bread. And that's what Jesus is saying here. That's why he's using such harsh language. That's why he's calling it the work of the devil. Because what does the devil want? His main job isn't to spin heads and cause little girls to vomit. That's not mainly what the devil does. Exorcist, if some of you are like, huh? Okay, <laughs> That's not mainly, you know, bodies contorting. The devil isn't mainly into, like, yoga positions. That's not mainly what he does, okay? Though you watch the scary movies, that's what it looks like. Mainly, mainly, it's to keep people from wanting Jesus as their Savior. And one of the best ways to do that 
is to help you be a really moral, religious person that doesn't think you need a light because you already see. It doesn't think you need to be freed from chains because you're already fine. It doesn't think you need anything because you're already good. These people, we know God. We know Him. We know Him. Jesus says, you don't know Him. This is, this is why they wanted to kill Him. This is a very hated teaching then, and it's a very hated teaching now. To say that good people need saving, it's a very hated thing to say. And this is what Jesus said. It's what, it's what made them pick up stones to attempt murder. Because he says, I see you, and yes, you're very good, but you're stuck in sin. And you don't know me, and you don't really know God, because if you knew him, you would know me. What keeps us from freedom? What keeps us is this. If you look at your own life, here's the biggest thing that will keep you from experiencing growth and transformation. It's thinking, there's no problem, I'm fine. I don't, I don't really need anything. Or going, I'll fix it myself. Still avoiding Jesus as Savior, going, I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll, I'll take care of it. How often when you're in those moments, here's a test question for you. How often when you're in those moments of those things that you want to experience transformation in, when you're in those moments, how often do you go, Jesus, help me, forgive me, I need you. Once again, I'm in sin. Think about the areas in your life that you go, man, I want transformation in. I want to grow. I, I don't want to be as impatient. I don't want to be so uh, controlled by what other people think of me. I don't want to be so, I, I don't want to be like, okay, when you're in those moments, how often is the response, Jesus, help me, forgive me, I'm back in my sin again. A lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's, okay, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to do better. Or come on, self, get over it. We talk to ourselves instead of God. Come on, self, it's not a big deal. You can do it. Or, it's, or a friend says, hey, you're kind of back in that again. And no, I'm not. Get off me. And we just defend and say there is no problem. Or we try to deal with it ourselves instead of going, I need the light to lead me out. I need to see who he is so that I want to walk with him in freedom. What keeps us from freedom is thinking we don't need him to save us. That's what keeps us. That's why religion is so dangerous. And that's why... Jesus said, you can't bear to hear what I'm telling you about yourself. You can't bear it. Because for them, that would mean that they would have to say, man, I am stuck as a slave in sin. And they couldn't bear that. Because their image is built on, I'm good, I'm moral, I'm fine. And Jesus says they couldn't bear, they couldn't bear to admit that they weren't. And this is the last thing. How can we then bear to see the truth about ourselves? If what often keep if 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 we want to grow and experience transformation, and what keeps us enslaved is the desire to be free from anything, and yet something else takes the place. And Jesus says, I want to lead you out of that. I want to lead you to want to be with me, to want to be free with me. That's where I want to lead you. But what keeps us is going, well, I'm, I'm fine, actually, or I can take care of it myself, I can fix myself, or hey, I'm just good, I'm okay, I don't need any saving, and we can't bear to hear the verdict on us, how can we bear to see the truth, the truth about ourselves, the truth, like Jesus says, that, that we can get stuck in sin, the truth, like Jesus says, that often we 
live as if we don't know God? How can we actually bear the weight of what Jesus is saying? And earlier, Jesus says this. He says, in verse 28, Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And he's talking, when he says, I am He, the Messiah, the Savior. He says, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And here's what he's saying. When he, in just a handful of chapters towards the end of the book, when he is crucified, that's when he'll be seen. When he is lifted up, that's when you'll see who I really am. That's when you'll see the core of who I am. And here's how we can bear to see the truth about us. The closer we get to him as the light, the more we get exposed. That's how real light works, right? You, you look at yourself in the dark, you think, man, I look pretty good. You look at yourself in a lit hotel mirror that's a magnifier, and you go, oh my gosh, flipping that around. That's what happens. The closer you get to the light, the more exposed it shows who you really are. But the closer you get to the light, the more clearly you see him also. This is what Jesus is saying. How can you bear to see the truth about yourself? Well, the closer we get to him, the worse that we see we are. Man, I thought I was okay, but I see I'm actually often a slave to my own sin. I thought I was okay. I thought I was just being free, but I see that I'm trying to be free and build my life on other things instead of God. The closer we get to him, the more exposed we are, but then the more clearly we see him. See, if you see Jesus lifted up on the cross, what does that say about us? I mean, it says, man, I'm worse than I think. If my sin took the death of Jesus, I'm worse than I think that my sin caused God to have to die. But the closer I get to that, the more clearly I see what he is. That he would willingly do that for me. That he would want to die for me. That he would want to do that. See, the way we can bear to see the truth about us, the way we can put down our defenses, the way we can, even in a moment, not have to go, no, I am okay, no, I am good, but to go, God, I need you. God, I'm stuck. God, I sin against you. God, help me. The way we can see that, the way we're allowed and freed to see that is by seeing, yeah, we're worse than we think we are, but he's so much better than we think he is. This is what Jesus says, when you see me lifted up, then you'll know I'm he. When you see me on the cross, then you'll know that I'm the light that wants to bring you to freedom. That's the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel, the good news, that's what gospel means. The good news is that we're so much worse than we think we are. But Jesus is so much better than we could ever conceive. That he would save slaves. That he would save sinners. That he would save people that try to be free from him. That he would save those people. And the more that we see that, the more we go, man, I want to be with you then. Why, Man, if I, have, if I have that kind of freedom, then I want to be with you and I want to walk with you and I want to go where you go. When we take communion, that's what we remember. We remember that Jesus had his blood shed and his body broken. But he had his blood shed and his body broken because our sin caused that. That's the truth about us. 
But he wanted to have his blood shed and he wanted to have his body broken because he has so much grace and love for us. And that's the truth about him. And we can bear to see the truth about us when we see the truth about who he is. And this is what we take communion for and this is what we sing songs for because we believe that we have a good and gracious God that leads us out of darkness into light, out of slavery, into freedom. So let's pray. God, thank you that you have done this. Thank you that that we can know you and that you want to lead us out of the things that enslave us. Thank you that you um, that you free that you free people. And God, thank you that we don't have to stay stuck in our sin. We don't have to stay stuck in our desire for sin. But we can be free as we see you, as your light shows us your character, that we can be free. And God, I thank you for that. Thank you that you want to reveal yourself to us clearly. Help us to see the truth about ourselves and not shy away from that and not be scared of that and not try to defend that. Help us to see the truth about ourselves and help us to see the truth about you. God, thank you that you see the truth about us. Thank you that you see the truth about us and still draw us to yourself out of love and grace and a desire to bring us to freedom in your presence with you as our King and our Father. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.